our podcast this week. It's not just God's own country, it's Pod's own country with the director of God's own country, Francis Lee. Plus, we go full and human, not with a teleported dog, but with Ewan Rian himself. Oh, sinister. All that and more on the movie podcast that this week is edited by yours truly. Don't worry, I've got it completely under control. Everything's got. <laughs> That's just you making noises. Just me a noise. making noises. Just like the guy from Police Academy. What was his name? Steve Gutenberg? Yeah. That was him. All right. Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt. Welcome to the Empire Podcast, which this week is brought to you by someone desperate to keep us under an hour. Uh, I'm delighted to be joined this week once again by two colleagues of such lethal cunning. I am editing the podcast this week, but Helen O'Hara, geek queen extraordinaire, if you were editing the podcast, what would you do to it? How many shirtless Winchesters would you have on the podcast. I I love them for their minds, as you know, Chris, mm-hmm. and therefore they'd, they'd be shirtful. And they wear plaid shirts. <laughs> I like plaid shirts. Really? Yeah. What about their boxer shorts, Helen? I don't know. They don't swan around in their boxer shorts, Chris, don't except they? in your imagination. Really? Yes. Yeah, I've got the box set in my imagination. <laughs> that sounds wrong. Pretty special, pretty special. Uh, also joined this week by our Jurassic World star, Don't Look Him in the Eye, it is Edmund himself, Nick Dissemlian. Hello, Chris. Uh, if you were to edit the podcast, Nick, what would you what would, what would you change? What would you do? I'd, I'd add an Edmund cameo. Yeah, every five minutes. <laughs> yes. Just a, a man <laughs> clapping badly. We've pretty much got that, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, pretty no, much true, sorted. True. Good point. It's, it's all good. Uh, welcome both to the podcast. It's a pleasure, as always, to have you. Uh, and yes, uh, in the absence of John Nugent this week, I am editing the podcast, so I apologise in advance for well, pretty much everything. Should we have a question? Yeah. Uh, Nick, what's the question? You've got it written down on the piece of paper. The question is uh, from AIB Cameron. He asks, as well as Philip Noyce, which directors are we sad there's no recent big movies from? Noyce. That is Noyce's no- Noyce question. <laughs> Noyce question. Noyce. Which, which directors are? Well, I don't know. I was, I was thinking about who's got stuff on at the moment just because of the news this week, which I'm sure we'll get onto in a minute, like who has a clear schedule potentially and could get involved in some stuff. What news? Yeah. Oh, it, we'll get onto it. News? There's been a little bit of news. It's, nothing, big. it's nothing major, Chris. Okay, don't worry about good. it. I'd like to see Andrew Stanton try live action again. Mm. Um, I, I'm a big John Carter apologist and I think I think he deserves another shot uh, and I'm interested to see his Stranger Things episodes and yeah Philip Noyce definitely we need more of him he's great it would be Noyce it would be yeah I'm going to say John McTiernan just yeah. I, I interviewed him a while back maybe like four or five years ago and he you know he said he was trying to get back into making some films and I, he had actually written a uh, Thomas Crown Affair sequel while he was in prison mm-hmm. um, really yeah, but he doesn't seem to have... He's, he's shot an advert, but he doesn't seem to have been linked to any films. So I think that's a shame. Yeah. Give him a, give him a chance. That is a shame. I'll tell you who else. Peter Weir. Uh, yes, I was to say that. Yeah, hasn't made a film since The Way Back in 2010. Yeah. And we need more Peter Weir in our lives. Maybe he's in Siberia. Maybe he is. Maybe trying he, to, trying maybe to get back. He's still walking. <laughs> yeah. That's possible. Yeah. Um, and I would personally... I, I watched Master and Commander uh, a couple of years back, and then I read the books, and I... I don't understand why we live in a universe that hasn't given us more of those films. It's 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 genuinely really upsetting to me. Please please respect well, my privacy at this difficult time. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of that film. I didn't love it when it first came out, but okay. every time I've gone back to it, it's gotten better and better and better. Even the and lesser of two weevils joke. <laughs> that's a great joke. That's a very very good joke. <laughs> is it? Yeah, and then uh, and and also like when you read the books, it is. 
it's such a good characterization of Jack Aubrey and uh, and Stephen, and it's just they're so great together, and they're such a great odd, odd couple, and I just wanted to see more of them. So yeah, hey okay. Ho. So Peter Weir, yeah, that's a good one. John McTiernan, that's interesting. So I don't know if the John McTiernan of Die Hard and Predator and the Hunt Fred October is still around. He came back and made Die Hard Free. <laughs> and Die Hard Free is awesome. But he wasn't away by that point. He was no, still doing I know, stuff. I know, but I think Crown he's affair. proved he can come back to the Die Hard franchise and make it awesome again. I think yeah. he can I think he has another great Die Hard film in him. If we're talking about directors of the eighties and nineties, uh John Landis John Carpenter, Joe Dante, people yeah. like that. Um, I would say virtually any female director because there is, and this is a shocking statistic, on average female directors make manage to make one film per decade. So virtually every female director, it's been too long since their last film. Um, Jennifer Kent, The Babadook. She's um, making a film right now. I know she is, but it's taken a while. That's all I'm saying. And uh, Mimi Letter. Letterer hasn't made a film well, she, in a little yeah, while. Yeah, she's interesting. So Mimi Letter's last film was Pay It Forward, maybe? I, I think no. I think there was a very small one since then. Okay. But only one. But um, I've seen several articles because she directed a lot of The Leftovers. Yeah. Uh, to great cinematic effect. Um, so, so that's interesting. Yeah, Pay It Forward. And then a film called Thickest Thieves, which yeah. came out in 2009. There were nine years between Pay It Forward and Thickest Thieves. See? And there's an interesting idea, this concept of movie jail. Have you heard this concept yes. of movie jail? So people have a flop... And they're, they're stuck in movie jail and they have they find it hard to get out of movie jail. And you might be surprised by this, Helen, but it seems that female directors have a harder time escaping from movie jail. What? <laughs> but look, I mean... Then Meldrick's... Pa- this Patty, said Patty Jenkins, for example. Yeah, Monster was 2004 and it was 2017 was her next film. That's cray yo. That's cray-cray. It's toe-cray-cray. It's toad's cray cray. And uh, yeah, and obviously had bumps along the road and certainly. But yeah, it's interesting. So Mimi Leader had this idea that she's been in movie jail because she had one major flop and pay it forward. Mm. But she also had a, a huge hit in Deep Impact, which was, a, which was a huge hit just before that. Catherine Bigelow was in movie jail. Catherine Bigelow was in movie jail for K19 until yeah. she went off and made The Hurt Locker on a tiny budget, basically didn't tell anyone she was doing it. Precisely. And that's what got her back out. It's so bizarre, isn't it? Mm. Whereas, whereas it would seem that. Uh, men, male directors, not all male directors, because having said that, it's been a long, it's been a long time since Carpenter made a film. It's been a long yeah. time since Joe Dante made a, uh, a film of, of of a size and a quality that you might uh, expect with him. But most male directors seem to be able to fail upwards, and they seem to be be, <laughs> be able to fail again and again and again. But we may be talking about an exception to that rule in the near future. So might we? Yeah, just possibly. I don't know. There might be some news. We'll see. Why has there been something that's happened this week? Nothing major, I've really, Chris. I turned off my Twitter. <laughs> Nick's just been on a holiday and just digitally detoxed. Oh, yeah. And how was that? It was lovely. There was sheep and uh, more sheep. <laughs> I was in Devon. I were, they on, like, were they on Twitter? Following sheep around. The sheep? Um, no, they were on Bata. No, that didn't work. That didn't work. I abandoned that joke. <laughs> no, I'm um, keeping it in. I'm keeping it in. Oh, God. You're editing this week. Oh, no. It's all There's good. There's no John to rely on. Uh, all, all Cut it out, off. John. Cut um, it out. Keep that in, Chris. <laughs> Frank Darabont. He hasn't made a movie Work. since uh, The Mist yeah. in uh, 2007. Yes. Uh, I'd like to see him adapt one of his emails, one of his furious emails into a film. Oh, come on. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, we, do, I, we do need him back. But genuinely, The Mist yeah. is an amazing film. Yeah. Shawshank yeah. Redemption is an amazing film. Yeah. The Majestic, some say, is an amazing film. There is, there is an amazing performance in The Majestic. Martin Landau in that film broke my heart. Absolutely destroyed me. So, there we yeah, go. fair play. So, make another one, Frank. 
10 years now since I missed, isn't it? 10 years, yeah. 10 years. 10 years. I was on set last phone for a week. It was one of my best set visit experiences. Were you outside the, the, the shop pressing yourself up against the glass and terrifying it? <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Like, um, they banned the use of the F word on set, and by that I mean fog. You weren't allowed to say fog. Really? Yeah. Right. And my recollection is if you said fog, there was a swear box. <laughs> That's really funny. I so, wonder if it's the other way around on the set of the fog. Wait, were you, what were you like? Were you allowed to say fog? Were you allowed to say, like, you know, miasma? Were you allowed to say mist? <laughs> like, what could you say? Well, whenever they got the smoke machines going, I went, miasma! <laughs> oh, very good. Thank you. Um, I'll, I'll keep that in. I'm going to throw a maybe controversial one into the mix. Ooh. Georgie Lucas. Georgie, Georgie what do we Lucas. Think of this? Because yeah, he know. promised. Yeah, to he make promised these experimental weird, small films. Experimental films yeah. with, with uh, like THX and yeah. things bleeping and blooping. Um, <laughs> I, I don't really think he promised bloops, did he? Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> It's funny, the implication. You uh, it's funny you mentioned the Star Wars director because there may be something coming up later on we'll be really? talking about. Is there a, I, I don't uh, think so. We'll see how that goes. Uh, I am in full agreement. I, I would love to have seen George Lucas's experimental films by now. Um, maybe Who knows? Maybe they're on Fimeo and we have we have to have the, the private The password. password. Yeah. Mind you, you say that, but like some of Francis Ford Coppola's uh, experimental films that he you know made after sort of retiring from big movie making yeah. are not... <laughs> Like his best work, let's be well, honest. Well, he's. Busy. I mean, I, I realize his best work is quite a high bar. This is true, but you know. Yeah, but he's 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 off, you know, stamping on grapes, isn't he these days? And and and, and more power to his ankles, I guess. You know that that's great. But he did a couple of those tiny little films yeah. in the last sort of yeah. decade or so, and they weren't his. They needed more bleeping and blooping. Yeah. They did. Do you want to hear an impression of uh, Francis Ford Coppola wine? Go on. Go on ahead. I'm Francis Ford Coppola! Wow. There was a joke there that you were whining. Francis. Yes. Ah. Yeah. Hey, I discovered that you can buy two paddocks in the UK, which I didn't know. For how much? Uh, like £27, I think it was. For a paddock? No, for two paddocks wine, a bottle of. Oh, a wine. Okay, sorry. Yeah, by Sam Neill's I was wine. getting into real estate there for a second. Uh, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I don't drink. But I don't drink either. I don't know why I was excited, but I was excited all the same. Nick, you're a functioning alcoholic. Um, <laughs> no, I am not. Uh, <laughs> I'm on the you're floor. Not. I'm lying on the floor right now. You're not. You're fine. You're totally fine. I like a uh, Corona. That's water in your bottle of Highland Spring. It is. It genuinely is water in his bottle of Highland Spring. Uh, would you drink a bottle of Sam Neill's Fino if he offered it to you? Absolutely. Yeah? yeah of course I would. What course. about his wine? Oh, God. You are going to edit these. Oh, no, Chris is editing. I'm editing. <laughs> Leave them all in. Full control. And also, I do excellent Nick and Helen impressions. So oh, yeah? Let's hear yeah. it. Hear what? I don't know what you mean. Here. Have I told you about the time? That doesn't sound anything like me, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Wait there now. Met Mimi later. She more direct more films. So she said. That's an incredible Mrs. Brown impression. <laughs> I think the podcast I, is, is officially out of control. I agree also, and I am also Nick Dissemblian. There you go. Perfect. Wow. Keeping that in. Uh, right. I will say one director. Yeah. Have a guess, if you can, which director I am going to say. I know which director you're going to say. It That's was Sam right. Raimi. Sam, mother and Raimi. It's been too long since All is the Great and Powerful. I want a sequel to that. <laughs> it's not been long enough, arguably. <laughs> not been nearly long enough <laughs> he has flirted with movies in the past but, um, Chris but, I mean you say it's been too long since the last Sam Raimi film the day after a Sam Raimi film comes <laughs> out so. even if that Sam Raimi film is also great and powerful Peter Jackson were Peter Jackson hasn't made a film for ages okay 
How long has it been since his last movie, which was? Oh. Third Hobbit. Oh, so yeah, it's not that Hobbit. long. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You just forgot the Hobbits. <laughs> no, I remember the Hobbits. It's a hard Hobbit to break, in fairness. Um, um, all that right. was, yeah. So uh, you're saying Mimi, Mimi Leader? Yeah, I'm saying Mimi Leader. Uh, you're saying... John McTiernan. John McTiernan. And I'm saying everyone else who's mentioned. That's an amazing, an amazing list. Amazing. And thank you very much for your question, uh, whatever your name was. Okay, if you want to have your question read out in the Empire Podcast, you can do so via a number of methods. We're on Twitter as at Empire Magazine. You can use the hashtag Empire Podcast. We're on Facebook as well at... What are we? Empire Magazine. Empire Magazine, Empire Magazine on Facebook. I'm keeping that in. And uh, you can email us as well, podcast at empireonline.com. Okay, time now for our first guest. He is a former actor turned first-time director and his wonderful debut, God's Own Country, uh, opened last week to great reviews. Greater box office, as it turned out, especially for a British independent film. And it's expanding this week into cinemas up and down the country, expanding in in a sure, metaphysical it's, sense. It's not getting longer. Yeah, it's not yeah. like the blob. No. Um, so uh, we sent Johnny Pyle mm-hmm. all the way up to the deepest, darkest depths of Yorkshire to talk to Francis Lee, the director of God's Own Country. And the interview hasn't happened by the time we've recorded this, so I hope it's happened. If it does, here's Francis Lee. <laughs> Enjoy. Francis Lee, director of God's Own Country, welcome to the Empire Podcast. Thank you very much. Lovely to be here. And congratulations on the success of the film. Thank you. You must be, well, I mean, delighted. I mean, it, we first spoke about the film in, I think, April this year. So it had already been a success at festivals and won awards. Uh, but now the box office this this weekend, I mean, that really is, a, is proof, after all, that it is everything we hoped it would be, right? Even back then. Yeah, it's extraordinary. Um, from a film that I, I never really thought about what would happen after I'd made it. Um, so, first of all, all the festival success was incredible and the crit- critical success, including a wonderful review from you guys. Thank you very much. Well, thank Terry, the editor. Yes, thank you, Terry. Um, and then it opened in the UK on the 1st of September and um, people are going to see it. And it's, it's um, you know, incredible how many people are going to see it. For people who haven't seen it, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what the, the film is? So it's set on a Yorkshire sheep farm and the farm is very run down and it's being run by the son of the family, Johnny Saxby, who's in his mid-twenties. And all the responsibility has fallen onto his shoulders because his dad's had a stroke and his grandma's quite old. And all his friends have moved away to uni or got jobs in town, so he's very isolated and he's very angry about it and very bitter. So he self-medicates by getting drunk every night in the pub or having casual sex. And it comes to spring and lambing time when all the ewes are going to have their lambs and they employ a Romanian migrant worker called Georgi to come and help him. And the film becomes about their relationship. Now, the opening weekend, huge numbers yes. for a film like this. Yes. And not, not very many screens, but a great average per screen. Yes. How did you spend it? Are you are you can you track it from day to day, from moment to moment? Are you are you are you calling people and having phone calls and saying seeing what the what numbers are rolling in every day? No. No, that's not what happened. So, so I actually worked over the weekend. So I, uh, myself and the two lead actors, Josh O'Connor and Alex Sekarani, um, went to a lot of preview Q&As over mm-hmm. that weekend. Um, 
And so we were very busy just going to meet people, talking to people after they'd seen the film. And the the actual numbers came out on Monday to tell us how many people had been. So you had no idea all weekend? No, no, not until Monday. And what was the reaction then? Was there celebrations? Who were you with? Um, I was, um, I think I was on my own, and um, I was on my way to a meeting in London. Oh. And I was on the bus. This doesn't sound as glamorous as I expected. No, it's not glamorous. I was on the bus on the way to a meeting, and I got an email, and I read it. And um, I whooped, and everyone looked at me. <laughs> okay. Oh. And was there any explanation to them? My film, my film. No, I just looked very embarrassed and shy and, and looked out of the window and had a grin on my face. I bet you did. I bet you did. And so who's the first person you told? Um, the actors, the two yeah. actors, Josh and Alec. And they must be delighted as well because they're everywhere as well. Their post, their, that poster is everywhere. It's huge on uh, Shaftesbury Avenue at the Curves on there. Yeah, no, they're thrilled. I mean, I think we're all quite overwhelmed. I don't think any of us expected this kind of response. But it, And it's incredible to read and to see that people are not just seeing the film once, they're going two, three times. Um, and, and the personal response people are having from this hopeful, romantic, emotional story is, is actually the most gratifying thing that's come out of the, the whole experience. Right, OK. So is your phone ringing off the hook now? So um, there, it, it has meant there's a lot of attention um, from production companies. There's there's a lot of scripts coming. Um, my agent's on the phone quite a lot. But I'm trying to remain quite focused mm-hmm. and blinkered. Um, you know, I'm, I'm working on a project that I've written myself that I would love to shoot and be my next film. Right. So, so I'm trying to remain focused on that, as well as trying to read other things and, and remain open. But... Are Hollywood's power players in touch yet? Um, well, funnily enough, they, they started to get in touch um, after the film premiered at Sundance in January. Right. So, so that's just been a constant stream okay. of, of um, meetings and scripts and, and offers. Um, but again, I'm trying to remain blinkered to, to make the film I want to make next. I mean, I, I ask because obviously Star Wars Episode Nine became available this week. <laughs> Um, I'm not sure about that one, Johnny. If it was, let's say, the opening episode of Game of Thrones next season, I'd be there like a shot. Right, okay. okay. But, uh, but I'm not sure about the Star Wars. Oh, or the new Avengers. If it was a new Avengers film, then yes. You're a comic book fan? Yes. Okay, okay. Excellent. Well, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure now they know. <laughs> There'll be a phone call shortly. <laughs> Although there's no reception here, right? So it'll be uh, no. There'll be a voicemail shortly. There'll, there'll be a voicemail. Um, uh, you, you should say to the people who are listening to podcasts that you've come to visit me in Yorkshire, where I live, where there's no mobile phone reception and no internet. But that's how you like it. I do like it like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with God's Own Country, but also uh, films like Call Me by Your Name and uh, Beach Rats, and of course Moonlight, uh, 2017 feels like a banner year for um, LGBTQ cinema yeah uh, just reaching a mainstream audience I suppose I mean do you feel similar 
I do, I do. I, I'm not quite sure why or how. Uh, my next question was why and how do you think that's... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm not quite sure. Um, you know, that, as you say, there are incredible films coming out this year that have same-sex relationships at the heart of them, like Call Me By Your Name, um, Beach Rats, which I haven't actually seen, but I've heard incredible things about. Um, the Wound, a South African film. And then there's Fantastic Woman, which, which is slightly different. It's got a trans character at the... The, at the yeah. heart of that film um, and of course Moonlight and I, I don't know I think that maybe these films this year are being taken seriously as films are showing characters in three dimensional ways that, that they don't feel niche they don't feel like they have to just play to a LGBTQ audience and that, and that, and there's some resonance there I guess yeah because obviously all these films are developed um, in isolation from each other yeah of course you didn't know these films were coming up that you weren't getting together and deciding that 2017 this is the year no not at all no no in fact I've I, I don't think I've met any of those filmmakers or um yeah or come across them anywhere else I think it's just one of those things it's it's like alchemy um and we all stand on the shoulders of those great films that have gone before us you know like Weekend or Moonlight um or even Brokeback Mountain dare we speak its name um what so many reviewers did there's a lot of reviewers did but what was super interesting about the Brokeback Mountain in the in the reviews in the comparisons with God's own country were that they would start out by going is this the Yorkshire version of Brokeback Mountain and by the end of it they'd go no it's nothing like Brokeback Mountain um, and, and that just felt very, very nice very surface, surface things I suppose totally you know just in terms of it being about people who live in a rural isolated community and there are some sheep yeah but beyond there yeah there's not a lot no um, I think one of the other things that makes the film so um, timely is actually that much of the bigotry on display is actually um, xenophobic and obviously the film is written before the referendum result and you know you, you know what's going to happen you started have you started filming by the time oh yeah we'd, we'd, we'd pretty much edited um, we'd, we'd finished the edit pretty much by the time the result came in when I, when I actually wrote it I, I, I don't remember any um, any talk of a referendum because I wrote it in 2013 and I can't remember if it had been announced by then yeah, so it's, I mean, it's not certainly not a reaction to to no. that in particular, but I mean, those themes do suddenly resonate very strongly. Yeah, it was it was very interesting when when um, when I made the film, and then I was in the edit with Chris Wyatt, my incredible editor, and um, we'd pretty much done a version of the film that you now see in the cinema, and we were going in to watch it on the morning of the result of the referendum, and we watched it in silence and. and and afterwards, we sat a little bit more in silence and then looked at each other and, and said, oh, I think we might have made a period piece, you know, because overnight it, the, the emphasis had changed. Yeah. You've spoken about how um, you and your leading men, uh, Josh and Alec, um, have become close friends. Uh, how have they reacted to the film's release and success? Um, yeah, we're, we're very, very close. Um uh, they, I think they are as surprised and overwhelmed as I am because when we were making it, we were very focused and very blinkered. We we just concentrated on getting it right, on getting that emotion right, on always pushing deeper to see if we could go further with the story, with the emotion. So I don't think any of us allowed ourselves to think 
with a third eye what would happen or what people would think. I think we were very, very focused. Um, and I think, with, you know, they, as I am, are thrilled of the, at the reaction, but, but overwhelmed, you know, it, it's, it's, um, it's astonishing. Yeah. And so what, I mean, what's, what's been your favorite part of, of this whole journey? Because obviously it started four years ago, you're working in a scrapyard mm-hmm. and suddenly you have this success and it's, uh, you know, got great numbers. The numbers are going to get better this weekend, we assume. I hope so. But if you could isolate like one moment over the past four years where, I don't know, did, is there a moment you felt that you were like, oh, wow, this is, this is finally real. This is amazing. I don't know if it was at one particular moment. I, you know, I'm a big fan of relationships and and stuff. So I would say actually my favourite moments or, or you know, the things that have um, stayed with me the most um, is my friendship with Josh and Alec and, yeah. and not only working with them as actors, but becoming really, really great friends and, and men that I'm very thrilled to say I love and and that you know we're very close working with my editor Chris Wyatt a man who taught me more about storytelling and patience than anybody else I've ever met um and 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 my cinematographer Joshua James Richards you know working feeling like going to war to battle every day to get this film shot to make this film the way we wanted to make it you know battling the elements and and the the landscape and and all the things that might trip us up and feeling like you, you you know you were very much part of a team and and those things were incredibly important and moving and those relationships hopefully will go on you talk about how you're making that or you're starting to think about your next film mm-hmm. are you guys a team on this or are you are you going away and you're doing your thing and then you will look around and will you work with these people again i mean there's there are definitely certain people i would love to work with again and I think sometimes you just know when you start that relationship and you work together and it, and you understand each other and you have the same vision, um, then I would be really foolish not to pursue those relationships. Um, in terms of the, the where I'm at at the moment with the next project, it's very much just me because it's writing. So, and I remember this. This is uh, this is one finger typing, is it? That's correct. One finger over over four or five which, which days. Which I find remarkable. <laughs> yeah, it moves very very quickly i wish i could demonstrate to you right now and but nobody on this podcast would be able to see how quick my one finger can be no it's a tv thing that <laughs> yeah it's not, it's, definitely. Not a, it's not a radio interview no it's not a, it's not a lot of fun to watch either <laughs> no no I, well, I mean i get the thing it's one finger and yes, it's moving around and words right. are appearing on a screen yes and they're great words well yes because i can't look at the screen and type so i have to look at the finger Right, okay. <laughs> so I'm not quite sure what's going down, but I think I know what's going down. How do you write? Do you do you know where the story's going? Or do, or do you do what um, Stephen King says, which he says, he says he starts with an idea and then he excavates it and the characters might take him in directions he didn't expect initially? Wow, that's that's really fascinating, but I could not work like that. I'm very... I'm very um, uh, precise. So I need to know the beginning, the middle and the end uh, before I sit down. I need to know who the people are, what they want and what's stopping them getting what they want. And I need to understand that in a very broad arc. Um, and then I sit down and write um, everything I know. Right. And then I just fill in the blanks. Look, uh, Francis, I mean, I, I love the film, Empire Thank loves the you. film. And it seems that... Um 
everyone who's seen it has loved the film. And I, I, I can see the reaction on, on Twitter and, you know, people I admire and respect are all tweeting about it saying, go and see this movie. Um, and it's out in cinemas now. You can uh, go and see it this weekend. Uh, Francis, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much, Johnny. And thank you to all the Empire listeners. Francis Lee there on great form with Johnny Pyle. We apologise for the Northern accents, of course. <laughs> we as Northern Irish people. <laughs> what, with well, Johnny and... Uh, yeah. Yeah, Johnny's Lancastrian, Francis Lee is... <gasps> they could restart the War of the Roses. They could. Oh, no. Well, we'll know if it's happened by this point. That's true. Yeah, so, so mm. there we go. Right, so um, movie news... Well, it turns out there has been a news story this week. What? Um, which is a bit of luck because, you know, it's been quite a few months. Uh, uh, this guy has left a project that he was going to do. Um, let me see if I can find him. Probably you won't have heard of him, but yeah, it might be interesting. Colin Trevorrow um, has left Star Wars Episode Nine. He will no longer be directing Star Wars Episode Nine. Apparently it was a mutual decision based on the old saw creative differences, essentially. Um, he was creative, they were different. Hey, etc. Et um, so uh, this is a bit of a shock, especially coming after the uh, the departure of Lord Miller from the Han yep. Solo movie. Um, it is uh, something that some people have said they saw coming after the performance, uh, the underperformance of Book of Henry Trevorrow's last film, and the critical reception meted out to same. Mm. Yes, uh, Unfairly, I was trying I to say. be. I was trying to be kind and not yeah. mention that. Um, <laughs> But I don't know that it's necessarily directly connected that, to that. This could be something completely different. They've said that they've been working to kind of find a, w- a way to kind of make the same film, if you will. And obviously that hasn't quite happened. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's 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 a bit of a shock. And, and now the race begins and the speculation begins once again to see yep. who the next uh, Star Wars director will be. Of course, by the time you listen to this, they've probably announced it. Yeah. So. In which case... Helen and Nick, bad impressions of them. It would be John McTiernan and, and Sam Raimi yeah. <laughs> teaming up. On, standing on Mimi and shoulders. It's just a giant, <laughs> three, giant coat, giant coat <laughs> shuffling up to the, uh, to the Lucasfilm production offices. Yeah. Um, well, this, is, this is sad news, isn't it? I, I think it's sad anyway. I, I really like, obviously, I was on set of Jurassic World, and uh, he came on the podcast and talked to you and I, Chris. Yeah, he did, yeah. He was very recently. open and honest, I think, yeah. about the travails he was going through critically on... The reception that, that was afforded to Book of Henry. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he saw the Book of Henry as the kind of the weird little film he was making between these two blockbusters. And it suddenly blew up and became this huge controversial thing that everyone was was kind of getting angry and worked up. And, they were and piling on. Piling bit, on, yeah. yeah and mm. I think that's continuing because when this got announced on Twitter earlier this week, you know, it just there was a lot of there was a lot of people seeming to take delight in it. And uh, There's, yeah, he's as I said to him in the podcast, he seems to have become a human piñata for some people. He has and, a little bit, yeah. Uh, and I, you know, I mean, part- he's, he's slightly put his own foot in it on occasion. Um, not, not that I'm justifying the, the level of abuse that he's gotten. I feel it's, it's, uh, it's disproportionate. I, I, I agree. Say, I, that's know. what I just said. You, but you I, and I both, did, yeah. you enjoyed Jurassic World, didn't you? Yeah, I had some issues with Jurassic yeah. World. I didn't hate it. But yeah, no, but I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. people on Twitter going, you know, calling him a, or calling Jurassic World misogynistic. I think that's going a bit far. Yeah, that is going um, far. But it, I think it, maybe yeah, some of it was a little bit clumsy with the, the portrayal mm-hmm. of that character of Claire. Um, but yeah, I, I feel sorry for the guy. You know, he, he moved over to to this country and set up here and he was, you know, clearly very, very excited about doing a Star Wars film. Um, yeah. So I don't know what's I don't know. We don't really know what's going on. Yeah. What's happened at this yeah. point. But it's a strange one because obviously 
you know, it's been presented as that great big football cliche is mutual consent. I think that's mm. literally what they said in the press release yeah. by mutual consent, which is I think the first time the football terminology has leaked into a film uh, press release. <laughs> but it's um, it is interesting because uh, Lucasfilm are now getting a bit of a reputation, yeah, with this new Star Wars. Uh, these new Star Wars iterations of um, of not being terribly director friendly, and it's kind of interesting that um, Ryan Johnson and Colin Trevorrow they they were both writing the scripts as well. They weren't just the director; they were kind of coming up with the story and writing the story. So yeah. it's that implies there's big big changes going on to the, to whatever they're doing with this. It's not just a director thing. Yeah. But then, I mean, it, it's weird, isn't it? Because you, I think you do have a contradiction at the heart of Lucasfilm um, and. The, the reason I think that is because it exists elsewhere. You have a contradiction at the heart of Pixar as well. Pixar will tell you up and down that they are a director-led studio and they also let directors go if they're not doing what the studio thinks is best for the film yeah. at a certain point. Um, and they have you know, pretty much an equal record of, of this kind of move. Uh, so to an extent, maybe they're kind of following that Pixar model and thinking, you know what, we'll let the directors do what they want, but at a certain point, if it's not working, we pull the plug. Which is an it's an a weird contradiction. Now Pixar have made it work. Yeah. But I you know, I I don't know. This is so much more public public and so much more high profile yeah. that it's it might be more difficult. But at the same time, every single male director in Hollywood Every single director in Hollywood is part of the Star Wars generation at this point, mm-hmm. pretty much. And therefore, very few of them would actually turn it down. Of course. Well, Andy Warhol once said, of course, in the future, everyone will direct a Star Wars movie for 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 I think this is very sad, obviously, for Colin Trevorrow. Um, and I hope that he can bounce back from this. Yeah. All we want at the end of the day are great Star Wars films. Exactly. And I think that hopefully that this is going to happen. I've got a sneaking suspicion that they will push episode nine back a little bit, that they'll get another director in, whether it's Ryan Johnson. There's been lots of speculation. It might be Ryan Johnson. Some speculation that Patty Jenkins, I saw uh, Jeff Snyder this week, who's an internet uh, prog- mm. movie news prognosticator and a scoop hound. Uh, he, he posted a tweet going, isn't it strange that Patty Jenkins' involvement with Wonder Woman 2 hasn't been officially confirmed yet. Mm. Yes, I I think that is strange. I think that might be more because, you know, she is quite understandably holding out for a pretty good deal on that and they haven't maybe ponied it up yet. Yeah. Or maybe. Or maybe. She's about to enter the Star Wars universe. But, uh, I mean, yeah. Dream Star Wars director. I don't know um, because I think a lot of my favourites are otherwise engaged. I think I would. I think I want to see Patty Jenkins return to Wonder Woman. I think rather than doing this, although I just want to see her working. People have been talking about Eva DuVernay, but I think she's got too much to do on A Wrinkle in Time to get this done for 2019 or anywhere close mm-hmm, to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Taika Waititi is also busy and has kind of <laughs> ruled himself out in a very amusing fashion. He really um, has. So yeah, he, uh, he tweeted. Uh, <laughs> Somebody tweeted him saying, oh, I want to see a Taika Waititi Star Wars film. And he tweeted back saying, no, I like finishing my movies. Yeah. Um, I w- I'm going to say Gareth Evans because the guys from The Raid were already in The Force Awakens. But they didn't get anything to do. So I think Episode Nine should just be wall cosmic carnage. And it's just Porgs getting kicked. Or Porgs kicking, whichever one, I don't care. Just basically Porg martial art action. I, I'm going to say George Lucas. 
I know it's a, it's, that it's, is a bold claim, especially when these directors are writing as well. Um, well, he doesn't have to write this one. Uh, I think you get someone in, you get top, top men in to write the screenplay. <laughs> and you let George Lucas, who I think uh, is visually unsurpassed in a Star Wars uh, directorial sense, and you let him loose on it. And then Snoke does turn out to be Jar Jar. <laughs> yeah. With a mask it's on. It's all true. Yeah. I mean, I think someone like Edgar Wright, who's obviously a lot of people's knee-jerk response to this, uh, I just think, I don't know if Edgar could subsume his personal style and his personal mm-hmm. stylistic works. And especially because this is an film. official episode. This is not a spin-off. This, yeah. this doesn't have the same room for sort of crazy out-there thinking yeah. that we that we kind of think of for this. Absolutely. But listen, we just like I say, we just want great Star Wars movies and uh, yeah. we hope that this will result in a great one. And we hope that the, the next one, Episode 8, The Last Jedi, is going to be a great Star Wars film as well. And Hey! Oh, oh my God! <laughs> There's a segue! If you're a fan of segues, uh, and no, you're a fan of Empire Magazine as well, and you're going to love that last link because the new issue of Empire Magazine is on sale right now. Went on sale yesterday and all good and evil news agents priced just £4.99. What a bargain! Bargain at twice the price, because on the cover is indeed Star Wars The Last Jedi, a cover feature in which uh, we spoke to Mark Hamill and Ryan Johnson. This is our first real look at the latest Star Wars movie. So we focused in very narrowly on the return of Luke Skywalker, and we spoke to Mark Hamill and Ryan Johnson about the return of Luke and what this means for the franchise as a whole. Great, great story. Yeah, it's the the new guy, Ryan Johnson, and the returning master. Uh, elsewhere within the issue, it is great. A lot of great stuff outside the issue, as Chris Evans once said. Uh, we have uh, a sneak peek at Mother. Mother! Mother! Oh, uh, my goodness. I saw that this week. We'll be discussing it next. Yeah. By which time, hopefully, I'll have figured it out. Are we discussing it next? Are we uh, discussing it on the live podcast, aren't we? Oh, is yeah. Next week. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is next week. We'll discuss that in the live podcast, which will more of which in a second. Um, but uh, yes, Darren Aronofsky and Jennifer Lawrence uh, take us inside his latest mind bender. And I mean that. It is, if you have a mind, it will bend it. Uh, also, the Empire interview. Shut the fuck up, Steve Buscemi. Uh, because did, 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 is that said to him at any point? <laughs> it's, it's not. It That's an be. open goal, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> did it did, it might have been a short interview. Did anyone pro- did anyone pronounce it the way they're doing Kimmy Schmidt, which is that they said uh, Steve Buscemi, <laughs> which is one of my favourite things ever. That's not how you say it. Mm. Buscemi, Buscemi, Steve Buscemi. David Fincher, the Finch, Finchy, the, the Finchmeister, uh, takes us through <laughs> the furiously capitalised Mindhunter, which is his latest venture, and it's going to be on Netflix. And it's a it's a series, isn't it? Yeah. It's a series. It's a series. So it's, a series. it's, it's literally a. Ki- it's both about serial killers and a, itself a killer serial. Yeah. It's oh. like. Sorry, no one has yet laughed at that. I, I liked it. Thanks, Alan. It's because I was I was busy figuring out what I was going to say next. I, I wasn't really entirely one hundred percent listening. I I'll can be honest, repeat but it. I suspect it was funny. So say it again. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not that good at editing that I can just take the bit where you said it first and then drop it in here. So just say it again. It's fine. It's totally fine. It is not only about serial killers, but it is itself a killer serial. Hey! Thank you for making that noise. <laughs> People usually walk away from me at that point. I don't get it. Okay. Anyway, I mean, House um, of Cards turned out pretty well, so I'm psyched for this one. This is true. This is true. And uh, we, love the, we love the Finch. And this sounds, like, <laughs> <laughs> this sounds like Criminal Minds, but, um, you know, with quality production values. And... I love it. I love it. Anyway, uh, Murder in Orient Express. We talked to Kenneth Branagh's mustache about <laughs> working with Kenneth. Branagh. About working with Kenneth Branagh. I just said mustache in the American way, and I, I apologize. Oh. Mustache. 
Um, we talked to we talked to everyone in that. We talked to we? pretty much everyone. With Michelle Pfeiffer, Judy Dench, Judy Josh Dench. Gad, the Mustache, oh. Kenneth Branagh, um, the I Mustache's mean, agent, Daisy Ridley, Daisy Ridley. It's a it's a cavalcade. Henry Cavill Henry Cavill Holy cow But he, um, he sort of had a moustache There's some moustache based mischief going on with him isn't there There is but well, we'll discuss that later uh, Did Josh Gad do his standard Judy Dench joke? Yes he did he, It does seem to be obligatory He goes He says uh, When I first met her I thought Dame Judy Dench Damn Judy Dench Hey Also in the <laughs> issue we have uh, a really intriguing story looking back at the time when Corey Feldman and Corey Hayne were Pretty much the two biggest movie stars on the planet. Um, it was a strange time. It was a strange time. Uh, but that is a fascinating story by Adam Smith. And then the latest in our director on director series is um, sees Spider-Man Homecoming director John Watts interview Peter Bogdanovich about Paper Moon, mm. which is a, a really interesting choice. Not, for example, The Last Picture Show or What's Up Doc or his greatest yeah. film, the adaptation of the Michael Frayn farce Noises Off. It's not oh, a great film. It's, it's, it's an interesting film. paper. It's not, it's not it's a great film. We did. Uh, we had a uh, hundred greatest movies poll recently, mm-hmm. and we polled lots of uh, directors, Hollywood directors, um, on their favourite films. And Paper Moon featured in lots of their top ten lists. So it's, it's uh, beloved by directors. That's no Paper Moon. That's a paper space station. Um, also, in the issue we have in the preview section, we have first looks at Tomb Raider and The Punisher and. Uh, Juliet Stevenson, this is one's pint of milk. We're reviewing all the new films in the on-screen section, and the review section, which takes a look at home entertainment stuff. Uh, James Gunn talks about Guardians of the Galaxy two. We have an incredible interview with Matthew Modine and Vincent D'Onofrio about Full Metal Jacket, and Michael Palin, the great Michael Palin, talking about Fish Called Wanda. There's loads and loads of great stuff in there. Just four pounds ninety nine. What a treat. Go and buy it now. Right, that ends the plug section. Should we talk about Suicide Squad 2 very, very quickly? Uh, yeah, there's a couple of other quick ones to mention as well. But uh, Gavin O'Connor has finally been named as the director of Suicide Squad 2, um, which is, I think, probably a good shout. And it's a relief, I think, to have the director in place for those who are very excited about Suicide Squad 2. I am wearing I'm... a Suicide Squad Killer Croc t-shirt today <laughs> for reasons I can't explain. Passing understanding. Um, and uh, Johnny Pyle in the office was wearing a Suicide Squad Captain Boomerang t-shirt. So, yeah, there you go. Can you tell we got free t-shirts for this one? Free t-shirts. <laughs> Thank you for the t-shirts. Uh, so are you excited about Gavin O'Connor being the director of Suicide Squad oh, 2? I'm torn because I loved Warrior. I did not love The Accountant. Um, which I gather is getting like a bit of a cult following. Yeah, it does it seem is, to yeah. be. Um, I thought it was rubbish. Really rubbish. I don't know. I, I'm a bit like you. I, I really, really, really like Warrior. I think Gavin O'Connor is a very talented writer and director. I enjoyed The Accountant. I thought it was batshit crazy. And um, I, mm. I thought Suicide Squad, my, my feelings that movie have been well documented. Um, <laughs> but if we are going to have a sequel to it, I would want to see it with a writer and director yeah. that I trust. And I feel that he is. Yeah. Pride and Glory was low-key yes. good. And Jane Got a Gun wasn't bad. So, you know. Especially considering the circumstances. In considering which he, he came in very, very late on that one, yeah. Precisely. So it could be worse. I mean, personally, I would rather they didn't make Suicide Squad <laughs> 2, but I can see also as a director why you would want to do that. Uh, so fingers crossed. Indeed so. And listen, at the end of the day, it's not just where great Star Wars films. We want to see great Suicide Squad films as well, <laughs> and this would be a great place to start. That's true, Yes. Uh, Andy Muschietti, who we're about to be discussing in a minute. These segues are amazing this week. <laughs> uh, he is lining up a, another film and he is looking at a 
They're calling it a prequel. I'm not sure that's right. He's looking at a film called Dracul. 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 Which they're calling a prequel to Bram Stoker's Dracula, but what it is is basically a version of the story where a 21-year-old Bram Stoker meets a terrible evil. <gasps> I'm guessing it's a vampire. No. And then traps it in a tower and documents this encounter. So it's basically interview with the Dracula. <laughs> Uh, is the idea, I think. And apparently there was a huge bidding war for the publishing rights and Paramount snapped up the rights to make a film. And it definitely isn't the same thing as a... We had a Dracula prequel. It wasn't good. This is not that. It's a different sort of a story. So it could kind of be cool, I think. I saw someone quip on Twitter that this should be called Dracula Retold. um, (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. The last Dracula film was absolute bobbins. I mean, it was terrible, yeah. Really, really poor. But yeah... I mean, uh, I thought it was fantastic. Oh, so. I mean, that's a spoiler, oh, Nick. Spoiler. Come, come on. on, come on, come on, man. Come on, Nick. Uh, you're, be- you're better sorry. than that. You're better than that. <laughs> Pennywise made me do it. I mean, what did you think was good? It. Oh God. Oh, oh God. This has been going on in the office for weeks. This you, is the world's yeah. worst. Who's on first? Um, <laughs> it is terrible. Yeah. He's usually got me with Stephen it King's it, Chris. Is he? Oh, <laughs> he's probably, he should probably tag someone else then if he wants to. But at his age, the it, it be. belonging to Stephen King. All oh, right. Okay. I got you. Okay. Uh, anyway, anyway, uh, so that's that's a thing that's happening. That's a thing. Um, although, of course, he has many different options. I would imagine in the near future, not least a sequel to the film called It, which is quite <laughs> this week and which we'll be discussing in a moment. <sighs> oh my word! What do we think of the first image of Rami Malek as uh, Freddie Mercury in Brian Singer's Bohemian Rhapsody, which is filming right now? Sends shivers down my spine. Bodies aching all the time. <laughs> Sorry, apologise. Oh dear God. Yeah, it was good. It's, it's an incredible. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they've very carefully chosen the image where he looks most like him, but he looks <laughs> yeah, he, most like him. He really. I does. mean, really, really does. But here's the key: Does he sound like him? Who knows? Are they going to use his voice? I mean, Freddie Mercury had a pretty much that's a one-off voice. Yeah, it really is. It's one of those ones that, unless you're Sam Toy, hi Sam, yeah. you don't do a karaoke. Yeah. I don't know anyone who even sounds roughly like him. I mean, Sam is a different kind of, he's grittier and grainier. Sure. Adam Lambert, who's been filling in with Queen, doesn't really sound like, has a range. Has but, a range, yeah. I mean, but who actually sounds like Freddie Mercury? Nobody. Queen fans will write in now angrily and tell me, but hey-ho. And then, <laughs> very last thing, uh, apparently Shia LaBeouf's um, Mutt Williams will not be in Indiana Jones Five. Oh. That's weird. Why did they skip a number? I don't know, but <laughs> and who's this mutt anyway? Well, you see, the fan made film that came out a few oh, years ago I and has Shia okay. LaBeouf in yeah. it because he likes to experiment with art stuff, and so he did, he did this thing for shits and giggles. That character was the original Wally Brando. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought of when Michael Sarah turned up in the new Twin Peaks. Yeah, that, that scene where Shia LaBeouf is coming coming down on his motorbike in slow motion, dressed as uh, Marlon Brando. But um, yeah, yeah, I, it's not a great character, is he? But no. I mean, uh, and also Shia has. Shall we say moved on in his career since, and I don't feel that he would elegantly put Chris. Yeah, I don't yeah. feel that he would necessarily be at home. Shall we say with anything that's not an art installation? Quite right. Excellent. All right. Okay, that's it for movie news. Do not forget as well. We're coming to you live next Saturday. This is the last time you will hear our voices on the podcast until next Sunday, which is when we're going to, we're going to turn this around. So the next Emperor podcast will be out on Sunday, September seventeenth. Why? Because we're coming to you live uh, at the London Podcast Festival on September sixteenth, next Saturday night. We're going to have some. In- uh, well, we're going to have some people there, some guests. I'm working on it. Can we? Can we announce? We can't announce. We can't yet. announce anyone. Okay. Uh, but if it happens, 
It's going to be cool. You will be happy. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. And if it doesn't happen, then I haven't committed anything publicly and we're fine. Uh, but do come along to that. There are still some tickets available. You can you can uh, get them at the King's Place website, www.kingsplace.co.uk. Uh, and uh, you can buy tickets as well for the other events as well. You can buy like three, three tickets for London podcast events and you get a discount. So that's all fantastic. And it's Saturday night. It's 9.30. We know it's late, but come on. It's fine. We'll be in our jammies. You come along too. It'll be fun. We can, you know, cuddle Drink each other. Drink cocoa together. Drink cocoa. We can cuddle. We can watch Twin Peaks. It's going to be a lot of fun. To, yeah, so we'll see you there. And that's it for the news section. I believe so. I will now edit this into a seamless segue into Amazing. the next interview. <laughs> Ewan Rian is the star of uh, Marvel's Inhumans, uh, which is currently on IMAX screens on both sides of the Atlantic. And will be on UK small screens at some point in the near future. Uh, he, of course, plays Maximus, who is one of the members of the Inhumans, the royal family that lives on the moon. Uh, is, be, is he or, husband to a murdered wife, father to a murdered son? No, he's a different kind of Maximus. Okay. But his his brother, Black Bolt, can't really speak because if he speaks, he can level mountains. And That's Blackagar Boltagon, right? Blackagar Boltagon. And he is Maximus Boltagon, Blackagar's <laughs> brother. So it, there's lots of intrigue and drama in Inhumans. Uh, and Ewan Rian, of course, Ramsay Bolton, yeah. Ramsey Bolton, Bolton the Gone in uh, Game of Thrones. And he came in again after I did this intro, so it might all go horrendously wrong. He came in to talk to Nick DeSemlian about the Inhumans and all sorts of other stuff as well. Enjoy. Uh, we are delighted uh, to be joined by Yuan Rian on the Empire Podcast. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. Excellent. Yeah, good. So, yeah, my first question is about IMAX. What's it like to see, your, see yourself on an IMAX screen? Um, it's quite stressful, actually. <laughs> no, it's quite. Um, it was. It was cool, but it's just a very big, very big head. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> a lot of actors say that they they're not keen on seeing themselves up on the up on the big screen. It doesn't get much bigger than that. Yeah, it is. It's kind of. I think it's a really valuable thing to have as, and I think screen offers that you get to watch your performance and figure out what you thought you did rubbish and stuff. So um, it can be very useful. But also, it's a very stressful uh, experience. Yeah, I can yeah. imagine. And was that something you knew about when you signed up for this, or did it did it come along during the process? Uh, no, yeah, it was always part of yeah. the. It was kind of part of the attraction for me. I think it was to have because it was a very original kind of idea. It's never been done before. The Inhumans have never been seen before on, in live action, and then to have this whole like IMAX sort of event thing made it. Yeah, it's really exciting. I think it's kind of the worlds of film and television are kind of colliding, and I think it kind of. Um, it, yeah, it, was a, it makes a lot of sense to sort of do that in IMAX. Yeah. Was your first reaction to reading the script, there is a giant teleporting dog going <laughs> to be in this? Was that the yeah, thing that like, jumped not out? Not dogs again. <laughs> um, no, it, was, uh, it wasn't one of the first things, but I was very intrigued to see what they were going to do with it, yeah. This one doesn't rip your face off. So. No, no, definitely not. No spoilers there. <laughs> not in the first two episodes. <laughs> no, anyway. definitely not, no. Yeah. I mean, it, Lockjaw is an awesome character, and uh, I, I think I've seen the photos of you with like a big plushy yes like a big kind of yeah we, we were all given one at comic con right. yeah which was nice okay. yeah but my girlfriend's nicked it now so <laughs> she's like it's, it's been taken off yet. it's been taken off my hands yeah <laughs> you have to get another one yeah <laughs> and you've uh, you know the, the, some very cool stuff you get to do you get to be strangled by sentient hair i don't think that's too much of a spoiler because it happens very early on um mm. what's shoot what's the logistics of shooting a scene like that um it, i just basically had to pretend that 
I was getting strangled against the wall by nothing really. <laughs> just right. sort of a lot of pretend acting is what I call it. <laughs> just... So there's no green screen. There's no sort of stand-in hair or anything like that. No, no. It's pretty amazing these days. I mean, I think the the sort of visual effects have come on so far in the last decades that you just don't need green screen stuff anymore for certain things. It's amazing. And the thing, the same with Lockjaw. You had, you know, they had this sort of big blue dog like to scale that they'd wheel in. And then, you know, just so you had a sense of it almost. And then, and the rest of it, you just had to imagine it was there. Yeah. So there's no Andy Circus type guy <laughs> pretending to be a dog crawling around. But I would have loved that. I wish <laughs> it was. <laughs> Andy was busy, I guess. Yeah, he was, yeah. Um, and I, I read um, that you were initially a little bit hesitant to take this one on. Because uh, I guess, you know, from the, from superficially, it looks like another kind of bad guy role. Is that? Yeah, yeah, because I kind of looked at some of the stuff that had been written about him online and it did feel to me... I was worried that I would end up doing the same thing. Um, and, you know, obviously you think, oh, well, obviously they want me to do this because they've seen... But then uh, after speaking with Jeff Loeb and Scott Buck, they were very, you know, they were very adamant that they didn't... They wanted this character to be very different. Um, they didn't want him... You know, he's not evil. He's not kind of out there just to selfishly maim and kill people just for a laugh like other roles that I've played and uh, um, well one role that I've played which everyone seems to think that I just play baddies now but uh, it's the only one I've done but um, yeah so it's uh, yeah so I, I was a little bit unsure but yeah after speaking to them they kind of inspired me to, and, and then I could see from their point of view reading the script what they wanted from Maximus and how they wanted him to be kind of this sort of you know uh, passionate political mind who wanted to change things and um and and then when you see the kind of you know uh society that they live in you know i kind of agree with him and it's uh and and it made a lot of sense you know he that they wanted to change things he wants to change things for the better um and he believes he knows how to do that so it was, it was a very interesting character i couldn't really say no after that yeah i mean it's a very juicy role and you do a big speech like big capital B I G, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. in the in the first, kind of kicking the show big off. Big acting, yes. Now, what is that? Is that daunting? Is that terrifying to have to stand up and do this big inspirational speech? Yeah, well, it was. Yeah, it was my first day. I think we did that. which was very kind of them. Wow. Um, yeah, <laughs> baptism of fire. But no, it was. Um, I can't, you know, I mean, I, it, it, they're good speeches, and um, and there's a lot going on within those speeches. So it's kind of fun to do that kind of stuff. I really enjoy it. But yeah, it was quite a scary sort of first day. That's had to stand up in front of all the, uh, well, in front of everyone who I'd never met before. There was a lot of extras there, and uh, and obviously the whole crew and everything. <laughs> it was pretty full on, yeah. But you know, yeah. it made the rest of the shoot a little bit easier. Yeah, get that out of the way early. Yeah. So there is a real crowd of people there. It's not just you talking to, you know. No one. No, no. Yeah, there's loads of. Yeah, there's a lot of people there. Yeah. Just yeah. Sort of, and you just, you know, in your head, you just, they're all looking at you, going. What have you got? You're rubbish, but you've got to kind of get over that as an actor and just get on with it. Do you head to YouTube and Google, you know, type in great speeches and, and watch people delivering them to kind of pick up? Um, no, uh, well, I, I, uh, the only person I used uh, was JFK. Oh, right. Um, yeah, uh, Rule, the director, was. he said, go and have a look at some JFK speeches and stuff to kind of get that real passionate vibe he's got. You know, he's almost like singing it, kind of thing, and yeah. it, and it, so to get that inspiration. 
but without developing the New England accent. Yeah, <laughs> I was tempted. Into, yeah, <laughs> shouter. It would have been funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wrong um, show. Yeah, wrong show. <laughs> and you have an American accent in this. So have you have you have you done that before? Americanish. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't really. I didn't want to make it. Too, I didn't worry about it too much. Basically, it wasn't. I, I, I didn't really sort of. If you approach a different accent to get every sound completely perfect, it was more that. The, they sort of said, I'll oh, just do it in your own accent, and I thought that might be a bit confusing to have some Welsh guy on the moon. <laughs> uh, I was like, what's he doing here? It's about time. Yeah, it's about time, yeah, about time. But, um, yeah, I just saw, they, I got, you know, then they just sort of said that um, mid-Atlantic accent, which sort of doesn't really mean anything, but um, you just, uh, it's kind of somewhere, just changing the consonant sounds, really, just to make it sound a bit more American, so it didn't stick out, because so the rest of the guys are all mostly American, so... Um, yeah, I just thought it'd be odd, but yeah. yeah, yeah, it was all right, you know. It was okay, but it was because I didn't. It was quite. It's it's a lot easier when you're not bogging yourself down with the accent and making sure that every vowel sounds perfect and you know all that. It was. It's basically yeah, just kind of like a generalish American. It's a moon accent. It's a moon accent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's moon. You're speaking moonese. That's how people sound on the moon. <laughs> have you been there? <laughs> exactly. That's how everybody sounds there. And um, I have to ask about Game of Thrones, obviously. Um, but have you been watching it? Have you been... Uh... Yeah, I have, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's been really lovely to watch it and not know what's going to happen. It's kind of weird. Um, yeah, it's been a really interesting series, I think. And it, finishing on a very ominous kind of um, final episode, yeah, but it's great. And I can't believe they're making us wait so long for the next one. Do you uh, do you text your sort of you know former cast members and, and <laughs> try and ferret out some plot info? Or are you, are you, no, no. I kind of I, I like it. I like being out of the loop because right. as a, when I was doing it, I first, when I first started doing it, I'd read every single page of every script, and then as we went along, I kind of started um, sort of picking the bits that I felt that were relevant to my character or whatever, and only reading those bits so that I, so that I still had some surprise. I got to see some things that I didn't know was yeah. going to happen, which was really good fun. Yes, but now it's it's all about, yes, I haven't got a clue what's going to happen, yeah. and I don't want to know. Um, you, I mean, you must be recognised everywhere these days. Okay. I mean, I, I saw on Twitter there was a mural of you in Barcelona. I saw that, giant yeah. thing of your yeah, face. You, you know you've made it there. <laughs> <laughs> when, you were, when someone's painted your face on the, on the side of a Yeah, building. it's really cool. I don't even know how, how they did it. You know, it's... Uh, yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, is, is it kind of a little bit surreal? Because you've been acting for a while, but obviously, you know, that, that show did, and now Inhumans, mm. it's, you know, being on an IMAX screen, you've kind of kicked up to a new level. Yeah, well, yeah, it's interesting because I think, in a way, I've been lucky because it's kind of been a gradual sort of build in being recognised and being part of, you know, whatever world I now live in, um, which has been good because it means I've got to go used to it like bit by bit you know from Misfits where it was occasionally happening to now it's you know pretty much everywhere um, especially because of Game of Thrones I think uh, and um, yeah and obviously now joining the Marvel Cinematic Universe is a whole other yeah. kettle of fish and how are you kind of choosing your roles so you, is, is typecasting something that's in your mind because of you know Ramsey was such a powerful kind of character and so extreme but I guess, you know, part of you must want to go in a different direction to that. Yeah, definitely, yeah. I need to really be careful now. That I mean, uh, that's, again, you know, playing Maximus mm. was a bit of a risk in a way, And but because it felt to me like a very different character, 
you know, I think it's it's easy to get bogged down in like labels of villain and hero and all that stuff, you know. But there's many different types of antagonist or villain or you know or, or hero. And I think if you find the, like the finer details, it then it's, it becomes a challenge again. And obviously, you just don't want to be repeating the same stuff over and over again. It just get boring, really. And um, so yeah, just try and find different roles. Yeah, and do slightly different things and different challenges and different types of projects as well. Yeah, according to the internet, I'm not sure if this is true, um, you've, you're playing Hitler in, a, in something called Urban Myths. Yeah, I'd, I've done it, yeah. It, yeah. Was, it was a while ago, yeah. But it was, a, it was a young Hitler. It was Hitler sort of, you know, at the, the beginning of the last century. So it's him as a sort of 18-year-old trying to become an artist in... Wow. unsuccessfully become an artist in Vienna, yeah. 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 You found someone worse than a Bolton. Uh, yeah, but, you know, it was funny. It's, it's interesting because at the time he wasn't, you know, he was a maniac. He was a really strange young man, but he, he wasn't politically motivated to, and it wasn't about that. It was kind of about him. He just really, really wanted to be an artist and uh, and he just wasn't quite good enough. Yeah. So it was it's, it's, uh, it was a different, it wasn't like playing, you know, Hitler yeah. in 19... 19- 38 like no, it's a fascinating kind of uh, yeah. thing because he yeah that kind of tipped him his failure there kind of tipped him towards it yeah absolutely yeah it's a really fascinating sort of period of his life yeah. yeah and I mean when that offer comes in you must go I know, um, yeah. do I want to do this <laughs> yeah <it's> like, <laughs> but <laughs> no it was it was kind of a no brainer though because yeah. it was a it was a really fun script and yeah I just sort of it was a really short shoot and you don't often get asked to play such roles Not every day no um, I wanted to ask you about your music because that's obviously a big part of your life. Um, yeah. According to the internet, again, your big influences are Radiohead and Oasis. Is there, yeah. Is there truth in that? Or I think. That, I, I think. Simplification. Yeah, I think if you listen to the music, Oasis might not be in there as well. I think Radiohead definitely is. Well, yeah, I mean, they're like I consider them my sort of my favorite band, if you know what I mean. You know what I mean? It's like that kind of. Yeah, I just think they're amazing and. But yeah, and Oasis, I was a huge fan when I was a kid. I think that's where that, that's come from. Yeah. But um, I don't think you can... You probably can't really hear. Maybe you can, I don't know. It's difficult to know who you've been influenced by in your own tunes. Yeah. Like, yeah. Have you got to meet any of those guys? No. No, I haven't, unfortunately, are you, no. Are you kind of more starstruck by musicians than... Yeah, uh, definitely, actors? yeah, yeah. I walked past an old Gallagher in the street once. <laughs> and, uh, and I was with... It was I think it was, we were filming Misfits and... And they were like, God, speak to him. I was like, I'm going to speak to Noel Gallagher. What am I going to say to him? And then these people came and like stopped us and they were like, can we get a picture? And I was like, with us? Have you seen who you just, like, what are you doing? Wasting your like, your memory on this? Yeah. yeah. Liam's very funny on Twitter. Um, yeah, so, I, so I, I do follow him on Noel Twitter. Noel a potato. And then my own brother called me a potato on Twitter as a, as a reaction to that. But yeah, he's, as you were, he's isn't very he? entertaining. Um, and have you crossed paths with lots of famous people? I mean, now you're kind of in those kind of circles more. Um, yeah, sometimes, yeah. I mean, you kind of occasionally bump into the odd person and you're like, whoa. Yeah, it kind of hap- well, it happens more than it used to. Yeah. You know, yeah. Is Noel Gallagher sort of the most starstruck you've been or? Um, yeah, I met Mick Jones once and I was completely starstruck. But I sort of bumped into him backstage at the NME Awards and I just sort of looked up and just my hand just immediately got shot out. And he was like, Oh, am I? What's your name? And I was like, Say what? And he's like, uh, Oh, that's South African, isn't it? And I was like, No, it's Welsh. He's like, It's all the same. And walked away. I was like, Yes. Well, that's memorable. It was. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. A memorable exchange. Yeah. He was, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And you were, in a, you were in a punk band. Is that how you. 
you kind of yeah, he's, when I was a, yeah when I was a kid yeah, and then yeah and then I sort of got in was in a more sort of mod sort of soul band as I got into my early twenties and then sort of acting kind of started becoming a career and it's, it's very difficult to play in a band when you're you know all over the place and they kind of want to press on and it was like, all right guys you can I'm, I'm gonna have to bow when you're on stage every night yeah you know doing eight shows a week you can't really um play in a band and do gigs as well so uh i just sort of started developing slightly different t- style of writing and just like just more acoustic stuff that i could just do on my own and i didn't need to rehearse with the band or whatever so yeah, it sort of changed the way I approach music. Probably the way you dressed dressed on stage a little bit as well. <laughs> yeah. I'm guessing your your punk look was <laughs> yeah, the acoustic, different, yeah, the acoustic look. Yeah, no, no, it's still the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what have you what have you got coming up? Um, there's there's Hurricane, which is yeah. this World War Two uh, drama. Yeah, yeah, it's a really cool story. It's about these. Um, it's about uh, the three o three squadron and the RAF, and they they, um, they uh, were a Polish squadron. And they had, you know, the most kills in the Battle of Britain, and they, uh, yeah, they didn't really get recognised for it by anyone. Right. Um, many of them got sent back and got, you know, sent to prison camps and killed and stuff. So it's because the British basically got rid of them, um, even though they, you know, they risked their lives and loads of them gave their lives. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's a film about them. Which is really cool that they're getting represented on screen. That's really good. Yeah, yeah. No, I've not heard that story. Yeah, like nobody, I hadn't heard it either. But um, yeah, I think they were only recognised in Poland in like 1992. Yeah. yeah. So between that and urban myths, you've been into your history books a little bit. Yeah. In the last year or so. Yeah, yeah. Going for it. Yeah, yeah. But I thought it's a different, totally different sort of film. You know, it's uh, and a different role for me. Um, yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, did you go down to the Imperial War Museum to do a bit of? <laughs> I haven't yet, prep? but I haven't been there before. So yeah, I, yeah. I love that. I love that place. <laughs> yeah, and have you got have you got anything else lined up beyond that? Um, there are, there's a couple of things, but uh, you know, you never know with with films and stuff whether they'll just fall apart any second. So yeah, I'm just going to do this one first and then see what happens after yeah. that. Yeah, are you in a bit of a decompression period now? Do you're kind of able to re- kick back and relax a little bit because you've been um, yeah I mean I've had a couple after finishing in humans I took a couple of weeks off a couple of months off basically because I was just I was just away for so long and I hadn't like seen people and you know it, you know like your parents and stuff you know it's ridiculous <laughs> and who are you guys oh yeah 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 hello I saw you eight months ago I think you know it's, it's just that weird thing and so I, I wanted to spend a bit of time on life um, <clears throat> which you know um, it's, it's got to be done I think uh, so yeah, but now now it's back to work for me. Okay, got to learn a lot of Polish. You got some? Can you uh, can you share any Polish with us now? No, I'm keeping it a secret. This is uh, <laughs> well dodged. Okay, Uwanrin, thank you so much for coming. Thank you, thank cheers, you. man. Bye. Okay, so that was you uh, and Rion, and now we're going to tackle the week's big releases. Um, what is the week's big release, Helen? The big one is the film that is called It. Damn it. Based on the novel by Stephen King and directed by Andy Muschietti. There can be okay. no confusion. <laughs> Apart from there's a film called IT with Pierce Brosnan. Is it that one you're talking about? <gasps> oh, you monster. It is not. It is not that one. <laughs> it no. It is not that it. It is not that it. This is the story of, uh, it's set in uh, the town of Derry in Maine, fictional, but there is a Belfast and a Banger. Um, <laughs> True. 
and it uh, it is a town that has been haunted or uh, what's the word plagued every 27 years by disasters of one kind or another and in 1989 a group of plucky kids called the losers uh, discover the cause of these of this plague of this series of un, uncanny events uh, and they discover it is a monstrous clown called Pennywise and played by Bill Skarsgård and uh, uh, so it's basically if the Goonies were faced with Eddie with um, Freddy Krueger kind of a story. Huh. It's kind of that. It's it's got some of that feeling of you know a sort of idyllic small town childhood on one hand, um, but actually it's not idyllic at all because yes they're you know pedaling their bikes along and going down to the river and having a lovely time in the yeah. summer, you'd think. But actually, the whole town is under the sort of cloud of this curse and people are violent and abusive and uh, homicidal, yeah. even aside from the fact that there is a killer clown just waiting to eat them. Yeah. Called Pound Foolish, right? I'm sorry? Pound Foolish is the name of the clown? Uh, Pennywise, oh, Chris, okay. not Pound Foolish. <laughs> That's a sequel. It's so close. That's a sequel. <laughs> That's the Asylum uh, remake. Um <laughs> Yeah, this this I really really like this film. Me too, very much. Um, it's got a lot of edge to it. Yeah. Um, maybe not as much edge as the book, which has the infamous. Um, oh god. I don't know how you would describe the. Well, scene, Helen just described it as the terrible scene on it's Twitter. It's the terrible scene. Yeah. Um, the, yeah. The, the All book, caps. Yeah. If you've read if you've read yeah. the book, the book has a terrible scene, which genuinely puts this in the bottom ten percent of Stephen King books for me, um, just <sighs> on the basis of that scene. Yeah. Um, it's, and the a, book it's an is, interesting scene. It's, it's, the, just, the book yeah. is enormous and sprawling, mm -hmm. and and this has taken the very wise step, I think, of separating out the two timelines. So the book mm -hmm. sort of goes back and forward between these people as kids and these mm -hmm. people as adults. Of course, in the book, it was the 50s and the 80s. Now we're looking at the yes. late 80s and the nearly present day, yes. and of course, uh, if people, they make a sequel. People might know it. They might know it more from the... The From the miniseries starring Tim Lee, Curry. Starring Tim Curry yeah. and uh, Richard Thomas and directed by Tommy Lee Wallace. Yeah. Uh, in which Pennywise is pretty pretty iconic, I would say. Yeah. Pretty terrifying. Yeah. And there is um, a little nod to him here if you, if yeah. you do look. Yeah. Uh, and that did tackle the dual timelines thing. It did. Uh, and this doesn't. And I was surprised by that. And I, I was uh, surprised by that because it, I was expecting... Mm. Initially, at least, because uh, you know, I think you maybe shouldn't always count your chickens before they hatch, and you shouldn't put the cart before the horse. And there's a great confidence about this movie to focus in on the story of the kids. But which I think were terrific. I think I think it works. It feels like an entire movie on its own. And um, and then if they do, if it is successful enough that they make a sequel, then I think you've got this other great story there that can work. But I think they've separated them absolutely beautifully. Yeah. And and it is a series of. It's quite a slow build in some ways. It's a sort of yep. series of steady uh, individual encounters and individual realisations that something is wrong before the kids kind of begin to work together to try and f push yeah. back. It's kind of a ghost train of a movie because mm. it's it's a succession of set pieces um, and they're just throwing insanity at these at these kids in different ways. But it's just some fantastic set pieces. The early scene um, where you meet Pennywise is done really, really well, I think. Um yeah. And this film is edgy, like it's gory, it's really dark, a lot of bad language. Um, <laughs> you know, Kumail Nanjiani on Twitter gave it five severed arms out of five. Um, <laughs> and there is like limbs being torn off, yeah. off young children. I mean, it gets very, very dark, yeah. but at the same time, it's, it's kind of weirdly, hugely entertaining. Like oh, it's, yeah. It's, it's going, it's kind of, yeah. The interplay, interplay between the kids is... 
fantastic. The, the, all the child performances are yeah. stunning. Like full credit to all of them. Um, I thought they were they were absolutely brilliant, and I can't wait to see these kids do more more work because I think they're they're real stars in the making. So yeah. weird to go to wait thirty years to make the next movie, though, <laughs> don't you think? Uh, and, Bill, and Bill Skarsgård is yeah, wise. I mean, obviously, yeah, he he did have a huge weirdly curvy clown shoes to step into Tim Curry is obviously like, <laughs> like massively iconic um, I think he's really good I think he's I think he's great I but, think he's done his own thing he hasn't just done a curry mm. um, <laughs> but it, it is uh, it's it, not reheated curry it's not reheated curry is it, is it a tagine what, what, what is it <laughs> <laughs> it's it's, it's, a, it's a real chilli actually yeah. it's um, <laughs> it's it's genuinely creepy. I think they've used CG really beautifully to enhance his performance but not take over his performance, yeah. which I think was, was really yes. important. Um, I think when he's trying to be charming, uh, he is, but it's always just a step to the left of actually warm and charming. So you can see how a child would be taken in and you can also see how any responsible adult nearby would be screaming yeah. at them. Yeah, I think they actually push it further than... The thing. Tim Curry Pennywise did, yeah. and uh, you know Bill Skarsgård's got this high pitched, horrible voice. I was really upset by his lips. His lips are so wet. <laughs> I got really kind of, I got creeped out by the lips. I think that's honest. very intentional. I really um, do. I think I imagine between takes, someone was running on and yeah. like making them wetter because it was, it was uh, well, like the Rock just spraying and spraying <laughs> yeah, sweet sweat. Um, yeah, I think this film's going to be huge, don't you? Yes. Yeah, there's, I do. there's a feeling in the water. To the point where, uh, so Sophia Lilas, who plays uh, Bev, mm-hmm. is a dead ringer for Amy Adams. And I feel <laughs> like she really like she really is. And if yeah. you I feel like if this film is a huge hit, like somebody's got to be talking to her people. Well, actually someone uh, tweeted me this week going a fun question for the podcast might be to Dreamcast. Uh, the adults for, oh, for it part two, and we might do that next week. That's a once, good idea. once the films come out, once everyone's familiarised themselves with the characters, and we'll we'll talk about Alex Skarsgård as Pennywise. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be interesting, but uh, do enjoy it. We gave it four stars, but we honestly, I think we were a clown's I'm, funny hair's breadth from I'm giving Kamal it five. And Johnny, I'm five seven yeah. arms out of five. five yeah, five seven severed arms from me as well. Yep, uh, upper echelons of Stephen King adaptations. And oh yeah, I know that's. Maybe damn it with fame praise, but there's been some there's amazing. There's like ten of them a month at the moment. Yeah. So, but yeah, um, by far the best one of the year so far. Absolutely, and looking forward to Gerald's game as well, which is coming yeah. out very very soon from Mike Flanagan. Uh, so yes, four stars in for for Stephen King's It, and then we also have Wind River, which reunites Hawkeye and the Scarlet Witch. So Jeremy Renner plays Agent Corey Lambert. He's an agent with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, which is like the cooler FBI. Uh, not really. Uh, he find, <laughs> He's out one day in the wilderness. He discovers the body of a young woman, a, a young girl, and uh, clearly she's died a violent death and the autopsy determines that she was raped as well. The FBI sends a, a rookie agent, uh, Jane Banner, who's uh, Olsen's character, uh, to the Indian reservation where she was found and Lambert is basically kind of her guide to the area. So he's the guy with the local knowledge, she's the guy with all the federal power and they're trying to basically find out who's responsible, who killed her. Um, mm. So this is uh, written by the same guy who wrote Sicario and Hell or High Water yes. and as you'd therefore expect, it's not exactly a sort of let's have a chase with our guns shooting in all directions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very much more of a thoughtful, slow-burning kind of uh, internal sort of a... This is Taylor Sheridan. It's Taylor yeah, Sheridan, who's, yeah. Who's uh, graduated to directing this time as well. So Yes. Does he it, do a good job? Is he, is he fine behind the camera? 
Or should he just stick to final drafting, Helen? Hey, hey. What should he do? What should you do, Chris? Don't step outside your comfort zone, Helen. I'm not. Be nice. Yeah, I mean he's he's fine uh, as a as a first film. It's it's certainly a credible one, a creditable effort. Um, it's maybe not quite as stunning as we maybe wanted it to be, and as as the work that he's done with with some mm. of the great gen- uh, directors has been. Um, it doesn't quite l- get the prestige look, is the way we've put it in the review, and I think that's a that's a good way of putting it. It hasn't quite got the the feel and the scope and the width that you maybe got with something like Sicario, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's a, it's a great piece of writing. It's it gets that kind of bleakness of the toughness of reservation life really well, and and the the people feel like real people that you just happen to be dropping in on rather than sort of you know stock characters that you yeah, can of kind of predict very easily. Um, so it it gets yeah it's it's not bad at all. So we give it three stars basically. Um, uh, I feel like maybe. Uh, it it could have been even better in the hands of a, a Villeneuve or somebody, but at yeah. the same time, it's it's certainly no bad effort, and especially as a first time director, it's it's a yep. good sign for things to come. Excellent, fantastic. So three stars then for Wind River, uh, and that is it for this week's Empire Podcast. But we've we did the review of it a minute, okay. <laughs> Sorry. No, give him his own medicine. That's right. You don't apologise for that. Uh good that's good that's very very good genuinely that's amused me Thanks, that's man. good I will kill you later um, that is the end all for this week Damn it. that's that is not Stephen King's it for the Empire Podcast uh, join us next week next Sunday don't forget that's when you can download this podcast next it's Sunday 17th of September but in the meantime we will be live the London Podcast Festival do come along and see us it's going to be an absolute blast or awful but you know he pays your money he takes your chances right that's it. That's it. Absolutely. Until that auspicious occasion, it is goodbye from Helen. Too late. It's goodbye from Pennywise. <laughs> I, that, that was very improvised. You had no idea I was going to throw it at you, did I you? I made my lips really wet just, just in case <laughs> that happened. But. It's goodbye from Nick as well. Bye-bye. And it's goodbye from me. I am off to edit a podcast that I said when I came in this room, I do not want to have, like... Overruns. Yeah. I do want to have bits where I take phone calls from publicists halfway through. I don't want to have any of that stuff because I want it to be a nice, straightforward, seamless thing because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And as you'll know, for, now that you've listened to this, yes. he's achieved exactly <laughs> that. Don't it's, edit out all the good bits and leave all the bad bits. No, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave the bit where I talk to the publicist. Okay. I'm going to. I'm going to leave the bit where I take a phone call and, and nothing else. Snip the reviews. Yes. Okay. So. And it's goodbye from me. I'm now off to edit the... You're the worst. See you next week.